Okay, cool. Let's do a clap sync in three, two, one. And now we get to talk about wood dust for pretty much 45 minutes, I assume. Should we, should, <laughs> yeah. we, should we sprinkle in a little bit of what we're doing outside of that and then just, just blast wood dust for the rest of the show? Why because not? we... <laughs> we when when did we get back? It was wasn't last wasn't last Monday. Monday. It was the Monday before last, last Monday? Monday yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. From what can only be described as a successful show, I think we can we can agree on that, right? Absolutely, it was fun. Yeah, we hosted the Woodworker Games, where we got to hang out with April, Jimmy, and Matt, and uh, Patrick. Holcomb, Clancy Moore, Matt Black, Mark Dana, and I'm gonna forget people throughout this show, mm. and I really apologize. But there was just there's just the whole team, the whole crew. Uh, uh, one of the the TimberCon guys, Geo. I'm not sure what his his surname is, but he was just this just this lifesaver. Mm. And there were some dramas with with technical stuff, and he would just come. And everyone on the team was just amazing. And um, everybody, yeah. everybody, every show needs a geo. Geo was a superstar. Yeah. yeah. So maybe a good way to start, Brian. If you had to pinpoint a particular moment that was just the best, so what that highlighted and 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 made the weekend for you, what what do you think it would be? Uh, for me, it'd probably be the first project. Because I think we were all standing on stage going, oh, my God, how is this going to work? How is it going to work yeah. with the sound levels and machinery? <laughs> and are they actually going to be able to build, what was it, six six things, seven? Seven things. Yeah, Four day like one, that. three day two. How are yeah. they going to make that in two days? And obviously yeah. there was, you know, a bit of prep beforehand with glue-ups and things like that. But a lot of the design was still happening on the fly during the day. And, yeah, I, I thought the stool thing was, was really good. It was Mm. Probably the only real true bit of furniture, wasn't it? Was there any? Oh, no, there was the hallway stand. The hallway but, stand, um, things, yeah. But I just really like that a stool is such a simple project, like a milking stool. Like, But how can you make it different? And I loved I loved Patrick's project. Um, Patrick Absolutely. and Clancy and April's yeah. thing. Like, it was really clever, um, really well executed in such a tight time frame. That yeah. last three minutes of that build was like the epitome of an awesome show. It's like this yeah. crunch time moment trying to do this routing a dovetail key live on stage with, you know, 300 people watching you and it was make or break. They were down to the wire, like a negative two or three seconds finishing. And, um, you know, if we could manufacture that for every project going <laughs> yeah. forward, it would be brilliant. Yeah. Um, that was going to be our yeah. grand designs moment. That was either going to all come falling down, <laughs> yeah. but, um, so yeah, to describe the project for anybody who hasn't seen it, it was they went with a four-legged stool, which is not technically a milking stool. People kept pointing out, but it was a stool, and um, the legs were tapered from a circle to a square profile at the bottom, and then they had a a routed dovetail key that held everything in place, routed through the top. And yeah, as you say, like you get one shot at that because it's a dovetail bit. You can't do two passes. It was <laughs> boom get it done and yeah Patrick was sweating a bit but um, yeah it was really cool so for me like apart from the obvious highlight of getting to meet you guys at last and <laughs> getting to meet people that I've known on YouTube for I don't know a decade in, in Jimmy and April's case but um, and to meet Matt as well like Matt's 
like a, I mean, I probably blew smoke up his arse a bit in his podcast, in the interview with him, but he's probably my favorite YouTuber. Like, I, mm. I love watching his videos, so it was, it was really cool. What about you guys? And we can probably pull the curtain back a little bit on this now that the, the show's over. <laughs> but not too far, Robin, not too far. There's only so much prep and, and um, production that can go into this. There's so much stuff that's going to happen on the fly. So with what you're saying there, Brian, on that first, you know, that morning on that first project at 9 a.m., we started the show and there was a lot of just figuring it out. How are we going to work this with the crowd? How are we going to make this happen? The brief was very vague going into this. And we, the, the three hosts, um, we were sort of given the reins to just say, turn it into a show, make it happen, <laughs> and which, was, which was amazing. I, I loved that. But it was, yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of figuring it out in that first stool. Yeah, I must say, I, I had no clue that the show was going to rest entirely on our shoulders to, to such an extent <laughs> until we kind of were handed our microphones that morning and it was like, oh, we are, we are it. Like, if we're not talking, mm. trying to make this in- interesting, it's going to just flop. So it was uh, a big rush of pressure on that first, um, that first project and we've kind of found our feet pretty quickly and turned it into a live podcast and I think it worked really well. Once we found the groove, it was good. But by day two, it wasn't even a thing. We were just yeah. we were just in it. There was a there was a particular moment where we just fell into an impromptu Q and A with with April yeah. Wilkerson, and that worked so well because essentially the show turned into this a, the 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 April Q and A while in the background woodworking was happening, yeah. and you could feel all the pressure just came off all the guys working, mm-hmm. and that that bit worked really well. But all of that was organic it's fucking hard like if if we're putting questions to people while they're working like that's a pretty hard thing so i I agree i think it was good that you had the visual stimulation of people working on things but then people are able to ask questions to you know like guys at the top of the content making game on on how to get their business running and multiple multiple revenue streams all that kind of stuff like it was Mm. it was really fascinating yeah yeah because the crowd was a lot of Content creators. Yeah, I was, I I was shocked. I wasn't expecting that. Mm. Yeah. So that was really cool that April could talk directly to those, those questions. We talked about that in the, in the debrief uh, after the event. For the next one that we do, 2024, we need to figure out a better way of getting the guests, so Jimmy DeResta and April Wilkerson, up on stage building and talking together. Because when Jimmy's on the lathe turning things, he's concentrating on the lathe turning That's things. Right. He's not able to have a conversation. So we're gonna we're gonna try and rein that in a bit. Yeah, one of the um, moments that I rem- I recall fondly was actually the end of <clears throat> excuse me the second day. I think we, they were making the chairs. And right at the end, April had presented her chair. Jimmy has presented his chair. And Jimmy's chair is a bit bland compared to what April presented. <laughs> bland is quite a nice way to, to say it. it um, and it was fairly obvious who was going to win this in any kind of competition. But then uh, I forget one of his team's team members come on and they add a little cup holder and they add a little phone holder onto the arms of the chair. Yeah. And it was like there was this big roar from the crowd and it was like, 
just a really nice moment where he still hadn't won it, but it was just a nice little touch. Like, okay, we tried to do something special. Yeah. And that's all the, those are all the things that you can't, you can't plan for. You, you know, we could, we could squash this down to the nth degree and make it an entire production, like a performance, but then you would start to lose those moments. And, and obviously you've got to be careful that it's not just a shit show and everything's just going wrong. But <laughs> yeah. that, that moment and the other one with the with the cabinets where the guys accidentally <laughs> stuck oh, the they, cabinet doors <laughs> and they couldn't open. <laughs> Complete mess up. Forgot, but it was just the most beautiful, most comedy yeah. gold comedic gold moment. Yeah. So the yeah that for me with the doors that was the that was the best part of the show. I, I just the you could feel the crowd up coming on stage with you know coming up on stage with us and everyone just having a laugh. It was amazing. So, so again, to describe, that's quite yeah. a hard visual thing to explain to someone, but they were, it was, it was a dartboard cabinet or something or a toy, like a game toss cabinet. And uh, there were spacer blocks put in to hold the doors in place to drill the pins because they didn't have any hardware. They had to make their own hardware. So they had to use brass pins as the pivot point. But then, you know, they stood it up on stage, everyone clapped. And I think it was Clancy went, Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think it was Mark. And anyway, the doors, because of the pivot point on the on the door, the, it, they weren't allowed to swing backwards. So we had to sort of get something in and wedge the spacer blocks down and rip the doors open. And yeah, it was it was very funny. But it was also highlighted by the fact that this was our longest project, so it had taken them three hours. Mm-hmm. It was also the end of the day, so everyone was tired. And it was just the way that penny dropped for yeah. everyone. <laughs> First the guys on stage, then everyone on stage, and then the, it was just, it was beautiful. I loved yeah. it. That was fun. It was just fun. And that was a cool little impromptu, shit, what are we going to do? Because we have to show the, the money shot, so to speak, of the doors actually opening after all that time and effort explaining how they were, they were going to work. Um, and so it was a bit of frantic clawing with the leatherman or something just to get that piece of wood out of the cabinet (laughs) pry the door open and then yes that's all marvel at the wonderful thing so yeah i thought we could also talk about the the three international guests as well because we got the privilege of hanging out with all three of them multiple times leading up to the show so we we first were on a call with jimmy in February it was either beginning of yeah. March or, or February. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Feb, yeah. Then it was Matt Esley after that, and then April was was quite soon just before the show. So we met all of these people. And the depending on who we spoke to, there was a lot of there's a, there's when you're talking to people like Jimmy DeResta and, and and April Wilkerson, where they are doing high level corporate sponsorship deals you don't necessarily even talk to the person until the interview. You talk to their, to their people and mm. their people talk to them. And then, so it was quite strange that, and the, the, the point I'm trying to make is when we saw them at Wood Dust, they were just the nicest down to earth, normal people. Did you, did you guys feel Absolutely. that way as well? There was yep. no pretentious 
ear about anybody. It was just let's we we no one knows what we're doing and lead us and um, let's have some fun. That, that was it. There was a particular moment on the second day at lunch, we were sitting having uh, sitting having lunch around one of the tables. We were all there and we were sitting with Jimmy, and we were I think we were talking about. Uh, something it was either political or yeah. Uh, yeah, border <laughs> restrictions or something. Anyway, and I, and I, in my head, I just I, I took a step back and I thought, here we are, just all hanging out with mates with Jimmy DeResto across the table, and we're all just and it was and it's just such a strange strange thing because I think at at our older age we don't we don't idolize people like kids idolize a-list celebrities we don't do that anymore we're, we're, we're old enough to not do that but there was still a moment where i thought shit four years ago jimmy <laughs> DeResta was untouched you couldn't talk to the man and here we are just hanging out as mates i was just so blown away by particularly with with uh, jimmy and april because they've been doing it a lot longer just how just how normal they are and these are people who've literally done netflix shows yeah and um uh, essentially everything you just said, nice things about Jimmy, obviously you meant April as well, but I wanted to highlight like April is just the nicest person. She just wants to learn. She wants to have yeah. fun and she's like very open-minded to like learning, experiencing someone else's point of view. Case in point, all the, the timbers they were working with were the Australian timbers and they had no clue what they were to how to handle them and what to expect. And um, it was interesting um, just watching some their frustrations and, and everything with trying to deal with, the, with those harder timbers. And, yeah, it was such a fun, fun mm-hmm. time. Even, like, seeing April use hand tools and things, and she openly admits that she's, you know, she's never used a rider plane before, and uh, Matt was helping her with it. And, uh, like, it's really refreshing to find somebody that's, you know, of that caliber that says, yeah, I don't know how to do this. Can you show me how to do that? I think yeah. it just it just really reassures everyone <laughs> that nobody knows everything. Mm. Um, we're, all, we're all just people. And yeah, man, she has so much energy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and give her a topic and she can talk and it's great. Yeah. And yeah. She could just talk on a topic and you can just kind of go and have a water break while April takes over for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking about woods. Just a, a, a quick shout out to to Matt Esley. I hope his his scars are healing because he got impaled by so many splinters on this trip. <laughs> With that, it, I think it was the messmate got him a number of times, and um, he commented on how splintery the wood. Now again, I don't know if that was just the particular bore that he was using, but he commented on how splintery our timber is. Um, yeah. Anything else you guys want to mention about it? Pity you guys didn't get to spend a bit more time in Melbourne. I reckon that would have been cool, sort of showing you guys around a few few other makers' workshops and things. I think next time we'd maybe factor that in and just try to make sure there's an extra day. Yeah, mm. I think yeah. so. <clears throat> I was a bit... I mean, I was under the weather for most of the weekend, yeah. so I wasn't having the best time of my life, um, just kind of pushing through, feeling a bit shit. Um, but So I still had plenty of fun, but absolutely would have loved... I. I if I did it again, I'd come for the Thursday, Friday beforehand just to hang out um, and do whatever we could um, because we were, you know, seven in the morning till six at night just working. Um, it was pretty Saturday, full Sunday. It was a lot, it, a lot of talking. Yeah. yeah. Was, there was no actual time off for us. Um, and so it was definitely a, a working 
a trip. It was not a holiday. <laughs> I remember at the yeah. start we were discussing, you know, oh, can we do maybe do a live podcast or something at the end on Sunday? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think you were asleep in bed at about five thirty, uh, Joey, right? No, I was just straight from from the event back to the hotel room into bed. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, my wife, said to me, why didn't you go out and explore Melbourne, on, you know, after your last night? And I just said to her, I literally, I went back, I got something to eat on, on the way back to the hotel, and I climbed into bed with my food and fell asleep because yeah. just absolutely, absolutely smashed. But yeah, now that we know the format, we've got a rough idea of how it's going to work. Next time we can, as you say, Brian, that's a really good idea to 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 travel around Melbourne a bit and see some of the, the local makers. The show will be more polished next year. Mm. We will prepare things better. Just just everything is just going to be better next year when we do it again. So put it in your calendar, people, because apparently it's happening. So make a note, start saving, because it's going to be another fun weekend. Yeah. And maybe, like uh, we said at the time, you know, make sure you give Timbercon your feedback on the show if you if you attended, like... Tell them what we did right, what we did wrong, any guest suggestions and things. Like, I'd love to see a few more local makers involved as well. Yeah. Um, yep. We're blessed to have so many good um, makers right on our doorstep. That a lot of them were running masterclasses and things, but uh, I think it would be cool to get them up on stage, even if it was just for one build or something like that. Yeah. That'd be my feedback. And uh, a little bit of talk from the debrief which is still everything's up in the air of course but this conversation did come up we might be coming to a, a city near you oh. next time so if everything goes to plan you might not have to travel too far watch out Townsville I'll leave it, I'll, I'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think we should we, we should probably look at Port Douglas maybe as a uh, oh, as a, as a wood, dust, wood dust destination that'd be nice because it was Did fucking you? freezing the weekend you guys were here. Yeah, um, it's been it's been lovely since you left, believe it or not. But <laughs> well, you say that. I saw April try to get a golf game in, and it was raining. Oh, yeah. really? She was talking about it the whole weekend, and she said, "Yeah, hopefully it doesn't rain." And it literally rained the day she went to go play. Anyway, so laugh back in the workshop, Joey. What's what's been going on? Straight back into things? Well, yeah, I um, knew, obviously, the trip was coming up. I ended up taking a week off, had some time with the family, saw, saw my brother, Willis, in Oz. Um, so I had a whole a full week off, Wednesday to Wednesday. And I had planned it, and I knew in my calendar the trip was happening. But it was, it was about when I was on the plane coming back, and I just got this wave of stress and like <laughs> oh my god i haven't done anything for a week and you know and i had gotten a couple of emails from a client that i'm working the job i'm working on and they had just mentioned how far along the renovation is and i was like well that's way quicker than i thought it was going to be like i've got to get i've only just started this this particular cabinetry job and uh i need to pull my finger out so i got back uh, the first morning I just came straight down to the workshop and started trying to make, make it look like there was progress. <laughs> um, and I've just been to site this morning to see the job and yeah, it's moving along nicely, but we've still got five weeks up my sleeve and that's about, I'll need all of that to get the job done. So, um, 
that's good. I'm I'm happy with where we are. Um, <clears throat> and here's a tip: you don't you don't have a, a an assistant anymore, do you? No, so it's just me. So yeah, so it's it just is making on, onto your shoulders. Yeah, for a job like this, I would typically rely on a second pair of hands for a lot of sanding, putting um, shaker doors together, things things that are fairly systemized and streamlined, um, and that typically just takes a lot of time. You could just stand at your bench all day just making doors and sanding them fitting onto a cabinet. And I'm trying to do that while I'm trying to work out critical measurements and work out how appliances fit into cabinets. And yeah, so I'm going back a bit in time with working out my time management in the workshop and trying to streamline even further my processes to actually make things happen in a one man band type situation. Um, but I thought I would share this tip because, I, like I just said, I was at the site, looked at some plumbing in the wall, and they're just about to start putting plasterboard on in this job. And I was like, that plumbing looks like it's kind of in the right place. So I'll just take the measurements just to make sure. Um, got back to my workshop had a look at the drawings and yeah the plumbing was out by about 300 mil in the wrong place Jeez. and they're just about to put the plasterboard up so i'm straight back on the phone to the site manager look you've got to shift this okay fine work through the details but typically it's not the cabinet maker's job to check that um you know you give the the job either the foreman or the plumber on sparky directly give them the plans and say look this is what's happening it's got measurements on it this is where your pipes have got to be um and no one had double checked oh, so, so they worked they work to you you don't work around yep. them no no you, you yeah and that's it's a little bit stressful because your measurements have got to be right at some point you've actually got to say this is the gospel measurement and everyone's going to work to this particular line the plumbing has to be here because it's going to fall inside the right part of the cabinet um and it's typically not your job to double check it, but you know, mm. double bloody check that stuff's in the right place because it's very easy to fix it when there's no plasterboard on the wall. And um, trying to do that after the fact is an absolute nightmare. So just one of those little things. If it's, if it's not your job and something does go awry, who does that fall onto? The project or the builder? Well, if they don't have a project manager. In this case, I had, I'm dealing with a project manager, so it probably would fall onto the builder's shoulders. The builder's just going to go, hey, plumber, I gave you these drawings, and this is a measurement, and you didn't follow the measurement, so you bloody, you better fix this. Um, and I went straight back to the drawings I gave them. Yep, I gave them the right measurement. We could see how they made a mistake. It was a fairly obvious, if not, you know, uh, Someone wasn't thinking at the time, but they made the mistake. We could see how the, see how it happened. Now they're going to fix it. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things because that would completely put a hold on that part of the job, which puts a hold on me getting paid at the end of the day. So um, definitely worth checking your services in the right place, even though it's not really your job. <clears throat> how about you, Brian? What have you been up to? Oh, my God. I'm so busy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had um, I've just got like four four half finished projects in the workshop so every bench is just covered in crap um, so I'm trying to do a bit on each one a day but I would really like just to knock one of them off this week 
Uh, got a couple of coffee tables, a dining table, uh, 20 serving boards for a restaurant um, that I've done before, but they need to be finished by the end of the week. Um, and then I'm starting on... I've got... Um, John Wardle's table, that clover table that I did for the exhibition. You have to do another one. Yeah. <sighs> for for him, for his house. Oh, so. wow. are you ex- are you excited because you're obviously going to be able to improve on the process or I, are you just I am excited. Yourself? I am excited because I know it can be done now. Shitting myself a little bit because I remember how much work it was and um yeah, he sent through a sketch yesterday, the day before. And it was entitled Simpler Clover Table. And I saw the simpler and I'm like, oh, right, okay, cool. And I looked at his changes and I'm like, but that's more complicated. (laughs) So, um, yeah, there's a few technical issues and things on how we're going to deal with expansion. He wants us like one top as opposed to a split top. And with the legs Mm. coming through, obviously there's no room for expansion Mm. and contraction. So whether we do the clovers as an inlay in the top of the table and then have the legs just floating in a sort of a uh, an oversized rebate in the bottom so it looks like they're coming the whole way through but there's still room to move um, yeah it's gonna be fun times it's an interesting little um challenge that that mm. leg detail <clears throat> my mm. first thought is actually is to have the legs go all the way through and then have an oversized hole in the table and then have some kind of expandable inlay, like my first thought would be like black silicon or something that fills that gap around the, around the, uh, and you'd have like a black outline or something of the table leg through the top would let it move a little bit, but that might be too much hassle. Yeah. I mean, Mm. I remember when he first gave me the sketch, I think he wanted like, quarter of a mil tolerance between the the legs like a quarter mil gap the whole way around <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> so, that's insanity I, yeah it probably wasn't far off that I reckon we got it to within about half a mil so a quarter mil each side but trying to do it with a solid top is going to be really hard yeah. So yeah, I've got him coming into the <clears throat> workshop at some point this week to discuss how we're going to achieve that. Um, and would you do that if, if you would, for such a big job? Would you just kind of clear all your other work and just work on that one press? For like, I don't know how long it's going to take you? Maybe two months or something. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there might be a, sm- a small coffee table job or something when things are in clamps that I might be able to work on. But yeah, that will occupy me for for probably the best part of two months. Yeah. I think last and I guess time mentally you won. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of tricky things in it. And I remember last time I did it, I was making one of the Yakita tables, the burnt coffee tables at the same time. And at the end of one day I made a horrendous mistake and plunged dominoes through an external face on the frame and there wasn't enough leather wood, so having to create veneers and fuck it was a nightmare so yeah i really do want my brain fixed on one thing like yeah. it's kind of fortunate where i'm the pieces that i'm working on now at the minute like i've got multiple pieces but they're all things i've made multiple times so i kind of know the steps i've got to go through whereas that i'll because i've only made it once and it was so involved i will have to constantly remind myself of all the different steps and the different jigs and yeah yeah but i took quite a few notes when i was building it so hopefully they come in handy. Have you got some jigs from it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got 
Uh, I'm not sure if you saw my... Did I even post it on my Instagram? I can't remember. God, i got to get better with Instagram. Um, but the jigs that I make for the shaper where it's like... Oh, yes. Uh, built up MDF, and then you slot the timber in and all the file information stored on it. So I've got right. those made up for uh, my Yakita table and John's table just because of the amount of work and the tolerances are so fine on it that, uh, yeah, I thought it might be an idea to keep that just in case I needed to make them again. Yes. That's one of the benefits of doing YouTube. The number of times I've gone back to, <laughs> and not even necessarily for a particular project in its entirety, but there are yep. joinery methods or something that I've gone back. How did I do that? Or, oh, that's right. I did it in this project. And you just go back and, and reference yeah. it. Yeah, I do that quite I was, a lot. I, I try to take so many photos and videos of things that if I have the slightest inkling, I'm going to be doing them again. Photograph them. Hmm. But uh, yeah. what about yourself, Rob? What do you got on? I uh, so I've got this when I moved back from from well yeah from Tassie, I brought up this big pile of celery top pine, and they are these short blocks. They're probably about five or six hundred mil long, about one hundred and twenty square, and they're at that size where you can you can do stuff with them, but they're not lengths. You're not going to be making tables. So I had this idea when I was when I was given them. I'm going to make a range of homeware, kitchenware type projects and then dedicate an entire shop to it. So I'll call it the celery top shop and it's just going to be a line of manufactured stuff that I can, you know, this wood was given to me. So anything I make is profit, obviously time, but I'm, you know, I'm not paying for my time at the moment. But the idea was, to really try and hone in the commercials of my quote unquote business. I'm not doing this full time yet, but this is a good exercise for me to say, here's something, here's a, uh, some raw material. How much profit can I turn this into and, and, and make for it? So now I'm just working on simple things like at the moment, a, a cookbook stand for it. So batching out, which again is something I haven't done before. I've always been, always made one off a chair a table it's all one off pieces but this is now trying to rethink it in 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 a in a manufacturing perspective making five of them at once what's the best approach that kind of thing how have you find and that process terrible terrible <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 forcing myself to get into it because i'm filming it as well yeah. which i'll talk about in a sec but i'm forcing myself to ha- have to get into the workshop and go sand f- five sets of pieces because it is it's just i don't because it, it, from all the people we've interviewed i really get the idea that there are two camps two very separated camps you are either a manufacturer or you're a commission builder and i can see why the the people who don't do manufacturing don't want to do it because it is just it's not bad i mean it's not bad but from a from a youtube content creation perspective it is just a hard sell yeah, like if you look really at hard I'd, sell Matt's uh, marking pen thing, you know, how, how uh, taxing that was for him. I think, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Manufacturing and doing batch products and things for videos might not work. But um, I don't know, when I look at it in terms of, like, say, the serving boards that I'm working on at the minute. So they're for a fairly high-end restaurant. I designed them years ago, and these are a rebuild. So the first boards lasted six years, which is pretty good for a commercial kitchen. Yep. Um <clears throat> 
The uh, when I look at the finances involved in, like, say, a table for me, a dining table, there might be two and a half grand's worth of timber, something like that, and the piece might sell for seven thousand dollars, something like that, seven to eight thousand dollars. So your timber is always going to be between twenty and thirty percent, something like that. Your material cost for those serving boards, I'm doing them in laminated ply, so like BC plywood rip them on the edge glue them together so the material cost in those boards is about there's brass as well so there's about 160 170 bucks worth of material equating to a three thousand dollar job wow yeah so batching stuff from a business perspective i find like you can make so much more money than doing a one-off commission like even if you yep. make like uh, even if you make two of the same coffee table like if i was to make two pinch benches instead of making one the extra material cost versus the time saved in setting up jigs and cutlass and yep. things like that i should it's be doing negligible. it yep, yeah absolutely <clears throat> yeah i've started doing or at least seriously thinking about maybe i should just make a second one of these while i'm at it i think we've talked about it before as well um the problem with me is that I don't really typically have anywhere to put the thing. So I've got to try mm. and sell it. And what I have found, and I think we've talked about this is that whenever I build something on spec, I never can get the price for it that I can when I, I build it on a commission because yeah. the person yeah. really wants it way more. Who's come to me directly and they're, they're willing to pay for the thing because they, they've fallen in love with it or the idea of it. And then the person who just sees it as a for sale on spec, they're like, yeah, okay. And then you, and then you don't want to be a dick by selling it at a lower price than the person who's actually right. commissioned you to build it. Yeah, yeah. And so I find and that the, a bit, bit of a tricky scenario. And the competition that I have, for example, with this cookbook stand, is a thirty dollar product from Target. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. will, I will never beat that. And as you say, Joey, I'm not going to the person who wants that product. I'm trying to pitch it to someone. So in my case, because this timber was all free and my time, because I have a full-time job, my time doesn't cost anything. It, this is a, it's, it's not really a gamble. It's just about how far you want to take it. But I can imagine in your scenario, yeah, that's a, that's a uh, inventory is, is not making you any money. Robin, where, where are you looking at starting your pricing what are you what are you going to base it on are you going to base it on what you think the thing is worth mm. or are you looking at if you if you did have to so you got the timber for free yeah yeah so if you did have to buy the celery top and your labor and mm. all that kind of stuff and working in a margin and then dividing it by the number of boards which way you start or are you going well i could probably sell this for 55 60 bucks and then Ooh. i've got to try to work out how to make it for 55 bucks which which way are you going yes yeah, interesting because i want to i'm going to be selling these or well, i want to sell them nationally not internationally yeah my starting point's actually been postage yep so how do right. i design this so that i can post it so and, and i was actually i wanted to ask you guys about this that's a good idea how much do you ask the customer to assemble because obviously things like Ikea you can do that but the more assembly the smaller I can pack it down the less on postage the the, the more I can bring the price down well I think Brian will attest to the fact that 
the bigger the object, the more assembled it is, the easier it is to break in the shipping process. Mm-hmm. So I think I would go, I would try and design something to be as flat packable as possible. Um, and then I would probably work backwards from that, say this size postage box or postage bag costs this much. I need to make whatever it is fit inside this and I need it to be this flat. And then, and then that's my parameters and I just have to get creative. And then maybe it's how it goes together. Like I I think a customer might, if you put it together using screws or something like that, they, it might downgrade the product. Whereas if it's something that slots together or it's got some clever joinery or yeah, like a, a sliding dovetail, dovetail sort of slot with a stop in it and you just sort of slide yeah. it together and clicks in, then that I think be... they can appreciate that you've actually made the thing rather than it being yeah. manufactured. Well, it's still manufactured, but not like mass produced in, a, in an Ikea factory. Mm. So I was going for the... Uh, I don't know what the technical term is, but it's those hex head cabinets. You know, with the, they've got a really big head. Yep. Um, into right. a threaded, threaded rod. So you, you know, you chuck and chuck an Allen key in the the bag as well. So they've got everything they need, and yep. that was the route I was going to go. Or do I build it fully and then spend more money on the packaging to sort of reinforce the product? <clears throat> So then there's less design con- considerations. There's just, just, I just throw more money at it. Packaging can get expensive. I remember looking at it with my star map tables. I was going to get some custom boxes and custom foam and everything cut. And I think unless your business is set up to do it, like I know Gem, I mean, we always reference Gem in this show, but <laughs> the way like Butter do their packaging and things like that, they've got a big CNC with a cutter so they can cut foam to size they cut their boxes to fit. Everything's custom made. The second you start outsourcing that for low volume runs, it can get yeah. mega, mega expensive. Yep. Um, so it's a tricky one. But yeah, so that's essentially where I'm starting is is postage. What's the cost mm. of the postage? How much profit can I add on top of that within reason? Mm-hmm. I really like that challenge. I, re- I really like the idea of trying to design something that fits in like... Around for an example, an- box. Yeah, an Oz post box or an A4 like bubble wrap type postage bag, and you might have like 50 mil of thickness that you can fill that bag up with, and then just like from there, sky's the limit. Just make a thing that fits in it that mm. can like transform magically into some something else. It's a really cool uh, little brain teaser, I think. And then it's a tricky one of of whether you pass the postage cost on to the customer as well. Or do you yeah. just up the price of the thing and say free postage? Because, which is why I want to do nationally. Yeah, it'd be so easier. Then I don't need to worry about that. Yeah, it's national. Then I can just absorb it into the, the cost, do a nominal amount to say. P- presumably, the further away the, the shipping is, the more expensive. And if you were delivering into Townsville, you could go and hand deliver it and you save all that postage money, right? I mean, that's. Hopefully, hopefully it's all local, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Even if you what then look want. at doing markets and things like that, you know, <clears throat> like say you get a market stand and you have that and one other product and you have no postage costs and you're just taking taking sales yeah. on the day. Now, what I don't want is for this to turn into a... In, um, if it comes down to markets, I mean, I wouldn't say no, but I'd, the idea with this is it should just be, a you know, in the corner of my workshop, a pile of stuff. Almost and any passive. time an order comes in, passive, it, it, you know, it goes yeah. out. It's similar to what um, 
Matt Esley does with his with his tools, yeah. and so hopefully, yeah, it 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 doesn't come down to me actually having to hard sell this at markets. I want this to just go out by itself. But where it's worked in with the video, which is it's actually tied in quite well, and talking about Matt, Matt Esley, I got a bit of the inspiration from him. I'm. I finally got gone ahead with the next tools that I'm going to purchase, which are a, and now I, I feel I can, I can talk about it a bit more publicly. It's going to be a 16 inch thicknesser from Sherwood and an eight inch, the big boy, uh, jointer. So these are tools, Joey, we've talked about that. these are tools that I will never, probably never need to upgrade again, unless I go industrial, but then I'm probably running not, a massive yeah. workshop at that point so the last of my budget the last of my credit card has gone into these tools and then i have nothing i don't even have a credit to dip into it's gone it's all gone which i don't mind because um these are tools that i'm going to keep forever and and that's fine but so from the video perspective the video starts because i've started working on the edit the video starts with me saying i'm in financial trouble I need to sell this pile of celery top pine <laughs> to, to, pay for progress my, to pay for my business because otherwise I'm stuck. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, even though it's manufacturing, which is pretty boring, hopefully that will give the video a bit of a bit of cool drama. Idea. Are you going to bring in design. things like the packaging and the sales and how you costed it into the video? I was going to right at the end. So yeah. Yeah. The, I, need, I need to, before I buy the domain and all of that, I need to build a whole bunch of products maybe three or four of them and then it will come time to actually start selling them and, and get to that point yeah so you're going to go with the full the full solo website as well like a separate you're not going to sell them through robin lewis you're going to sell them through Se- separate website yeah, yeah whole cool. domain all the products go there it's a, it'll be a commercial commercial website so one of these um i don't know what i'm with squarespace they've got yeah, a commercial Shopify aspect or whatever, to, yeah. yeah and then once they're sold then I'd sell the domain and and it's done, and then that's it. That was that was a that was a, a project, and then it's. I over. like that. I like. Oh, it's a really. Oh, you're cool not gonna you're not gonna idea. keep it going. Well, I guess depending on the demand, but the idea is this is a pile of celery top pine. Yeah, right. So when this that is pile it. is completed, it's done. Yeah, and, and then it's I'll move on to limited else. run. How limited many do you reckon you're gonna get out of that that stuck timber? <laughs> Well, it's funny. I looked at that stack and thought, this is not going to go very far. Yeah. I think I've used about four blocks of about 30 or 40, and I've made five cookbook stands out of four blocks. So, And it's taken me weeks and weeks and weeks to get through this. So I don't think I'm going to have any issue with material. I don't Because of my full-time job, I can't actually get through it quick enough. So... This has gone from what would hopefully be a six-month project to it's probably going to be going on a year plus, potentially even just in the background. I'll just continue working on it. That's cool. when, when, when does the thickness arrive in the jointer? I don't know yet. I've, yeah. I've made purchase. I'm still waiting for a, a tracking number. It is going to speed you up. So, I've been watching your videos Trying to use the uh, sander. Oh my oh, god! Oh my word! <laughs> we, what a, and the, yeah. of all the timbers to use as well, it's the most yeah. resiny timber that just gums up the sandpaper. Yeah, yeah, can't wait. So but, I reckon oh. you're going to see your processes speed right up when you get a jointer. Yeah, 
But how good is it to just be back in the workshop and, and talking to you guys about woodworking again? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's been ages. Man, I've been, been waiting for this, yeah. Yeah, you were the man on the sidelines for a while. Yeah, so good. Um, anyway, we've come up to time. Is there anything else you guys wanted to chat about before we run off? Uh, Not this week. Not for me. Not yet. No, we haven't got any Joey stories, any any client nightmare stories yet. We'll save those for the next Not one. Not yet. <laughs> speaking, of that, we're gonna be go- <laughs> speaking of that, we're going to be going back to the the schedule's just been all jumbled up with wood dust. It's been all over the all over the show. So we'll go back to a fortnightly now show, um, and we're going to hopefully get some some good guests in this season. Uh, yes. We've spoken to a few of them. And they are keen, so yeah, come back every fortnight and you will have a new Shop Still podcast. Cool. Righto. Cool, guys. Have a good week and, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. See you guys.